The soft glow of the city lights bathed the Arizona night in gray as four teenagers walked onto the Shalimar Golf Course in Tempe, Arizona. Earl, now an adult, was in high school when he and his friends grew bored with their weekly Bible study meeting and walked outside onto the golf course. My girlfriend said something like, hey, something just jumped out of that palm tree. The trees were approximately 35 feet tall, so the other teens just laughed and resumed their conversation. A few seconds later, she lets out this blood-curdling scream, just pure, shocked terror. As Earl turned toward his girlfriend, he saw something he could not believe. I look in the direction and there's a creature lumbering toward us. It was as tall as me, six foot, hunched over, and a huge snout, like a werewolf. The beast, blacker than the night surrounding it, lunged toward the teens as they ran. It was chasing after us, Earl said. It was running along the wall towards me and I just turned and ran. I didn't even think to look back. The teens never saw the thing again, although something about the encounter still confuses Earl. It was in the middle of town. That's what always gets me about the thing. Not out in the woods or at some secluded cabin, but in the middle of Tempe, Arizona. Arizona. From Chasing American Monsters by Jason Offutt. That's all you nerds out in the hinterlands. It's Rock and Max, and we're going to be your guys as we pack up my U-Haul and head from Austin to Arizona on this here episode of Nightmares and Daydreams, y'all. Greetings, gang. So glad to have you along for this trip. Mm-hmm. And we have a bit of an announcement on this final episode of season six. Yup, yup. Shall I give them the news, Rot? Or do you want to do the honors? I'll tell the fine folks out there, Maxie. So guys and gals, after... You know, decades of living in Austin. Well, mm-hmm. the wife and I have decided to head back to the state of her birth and reside in northern Arizona. Prescott, or Prescott, to be precise. Whatever you do, Rock, do not call it Prescott. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> yeah, they don't like that. Like 100%. I've been disabused of that notion. So, yeah. But I leave Austin in the capable hands of Maxie and the rest of our ne'er-do-well friends. We got this. As I know you do. So in honor of our relocation, we're going to focus on both Arizona and Texas tales on this episode, y'all. And as far as the move, since the pandemic, you've been spending more and more time out in Arizona. Mm-hmm. It's a lovely place. Gotta say, I really enjoyed my visit with you guys. Yeah. We got to do a ghost hunt in Jerome or some such. Oh man, that'd be awesome. Go hunt the Mogollon monster, all the good stuff. Yes. Or, you know, stay in the supposedly very haunted Jerome Grand Hotel. Eh, maybe not that. Could be cool. And, you know, they have a (laughs) great bar up at that place. I see you're already lining up new watering holes. (laughs) Hey, to thine own self be true, baby. And lining up. I've already got them lined up, (laughs) Maxie. So, Rock, you gonna miss Austin? I mean, yeah, of course. But I miss my friends even more. And breakfast tacos. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> for sure. And Lone Star Beer. Breakfast tacos are friends. But, you know, change is good. And, uh, you know, Arizona had, you know, AZ does have some super solid barbecue, so kind of covered on that front. At least you'll be getting out of the humidity. That's one thing. I won't say heat, because mm-hmm. AZ can be just as hot, well, even hotter than Texas. Yeah, dude, it's, uh, 
the Arizona sun's a little bit different, but uh, you know, Northern Arizona is a different story though. And you know, mostly man, I'm looking forward to living in a place with seasons. I mean, there's snow in Prescott, so that'll be kind of awesome. And have no fear in regards to the pod gang. Oh, for sure. We're gonna continue going strong as long as we have your support. We've actually become pretty good at remote podcasting during the pandemic. Yeah, we had to adapt, that we did. And uh, you know, even though we are heading into our usual mid-season break before we return with the fury for historic season seven, like Maxie said, as long as you are listening, we're gonna keep plugging away. And we have to ask, as we always do, gang, please grant us the boon of the sacred and mythological five-star review at whatever podcatcher you listen to us on. We've heard they exist. Yes, they are out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that first story, Rock, the dog man sighted in Tempe. Mm-hmm. You've been to Tempe, right? Many times, yeah. And pretty rad and fun fact, my wife, Teresa, she literally lived right on the Shalimar golf course where the story takes place. It's like, no kidding, they used to man. walk their dog on that golf course. They'd literally open their back gate onto the golf course and she and her friends would go take walks there at night and they'd play on the golf course. So man, she was right there. Man. So you're saying the bard of our show may have grown up with dogmen hanging out of trees near her house. <laughs> she very well could have, man. I told her that story and she's like, nah, <laughs> she didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I don't want to think about it. Literally. She might not have a silver sword, but she could have soothed the savage beast with her mystical violin, I have no doubt. Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So bards can cast charm through their instruments in 5th edition? Yeah. D&D? Yeah, for sure. That's awesome, man. Like, that's the best way to cast charm. You know it. All right, guys, and going back to the opening story, I like how the werewolf, which is what the witness called it, jumped out of a tree that was like almost 40 feet off the ground. Dogman got some hops. Yeah, he does. But all that said, I feel like if it wanted to catch those kids, it surely could have. Yeah. Instead, it just scared the heck out of them. No, it totally could have caught them. And again, you know, we posit the question, could dogmen feed off fear? And the other yeah. question that pops up is this, are dogmen real, like these corporeal entities, or are they the supernatural or paranormal other-siders, something like that? Probably a little of both. Yeah, I mean, think about it. And some of the big names out there in dogman lore, like Dark Waters, Josh from the PRT, Tony from the Confessional, you know, a host of others, they think that dogmen might be both. Yeah. Like there are these dark supernatural dogmen who can like appear in your room at night in your house and these others that live in the wild world and have migration patterns and all that. As solid a theory as any, I guess. I guess so. And moving on. Shall we get into a Texas tale? Let's do it, Maxie. And just for a little background, this one takes place in Yorktown. Yorktown. Which is actually pretty close to your old stomping grounds of Victoria. Yep, you ain't lying. All right, amigo, read on. I came from the mud, dirt on my hands, strong like a tree. From the outside, Yorktown Memorial Hospital looks like the definition of haunted. A 30,000 square foot building with a granite and concrete facade and overgrown bushes around its sides. Broken windows lead into a black interior. The doors chained shut. Inside the building, a cool breeze wafts down the dark hallway. Leaves press against dusty windows, and wasps crawl along the walls. Originally built in the 1950s and managed by the Felician Sisters of the Roman Catholic Church, the sprawling facility contains two main floors, a basement, two wings, a chapel, and an observation tower. The hospital closed in 1986, says current caretaker Stephanie Mayfield, 
after a new facility opened in nearby Cuero. From then on, the building operated as a drug rehab facility, but the state closed it in 1992. The building sat empty, attracting stories of terrible malpractice and lurid misbehavior. Rumor has it that hundreds of patients died there, Mayfield says. Naturally, it also acquired a lasting reputation for ghosts. There are stories of patients killed by neglect or surgical mistake, and the ghost of the surgeon who is often held responsible. A fearsome black specter with red eyes has been reported to haunt the chapel and growl when Bible verses are read there. Mayfield says she herself once saw the ghost of a young man staring out from behind the locked front doors, a bullet wound in his head. The spirits of nuns residing on the second floor are said to push and scratch at men with tattoos. Mayfield has experienced feelings of oppressive weight and cold spots, unseen things touching her during tours. Just walking through the building makes her jittery, and she mentions hearing footsteps and faint moaning sounds. A lot of awful things went on in here, Mayfield says. The place freaks me out. The vibe's not good. Once you shut those doors and get in here, you forget there's even anything beyond the hospital. The hospital is on private property and has been a popular spot for ghost tours since the building was acquired in part by the Joanne Marks Rivera, owner of Victoria's Black Swan Inn, also haunted. Rivera hired Mayfield to look after the building after the departure of an earlier caretaker. The hospital offers daily walking tours for $25, photography and video shoots for $100 an hour, and overnight investigations for $500. The hospital has had a recent problem with vandals breaking in for unauthorized ghost hunts, graffiti, and other mischief, often leaving the building's antique furniture in bad shape. Mayfield wishes to remind everyone that this doesn't just rile up the local ghosts, it's also against the law and will be prosecuted as such. If you're not there on an official tour, please honor that most hallowed of haunted house signs. Keep out. From Texas Highways. Haunted Yorktown. What can I say? I like it. You ever been? To Yorktown? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. When I was younger, you know, we'd had to Quero, Yorktown, Shiner. Shiner, which is home to some of the best beer in Texas. My Texas folks know what I'm talking about. I like Shiner Bach. Pretty solid stuff. It's classic. Now, Shiner. Like now, Shiner has a ton of different beers, but back in the day, it was just Shiner Bach. Yeah. I have to say, I like their prickly pear seasonal the best. That's good stuff. Man, that's a great summer beer. Absolutely. Hashtag refreshing. <laughs> we tagging stuff now? Mm-hmm. All right. So the story... Yeah. Another haunted hospital, just like the Austin State Hospital, the which ash. we spoke about in our Haunted Austin episode. Oppressive weight being felt when you're walking in the old hospital, cold spots. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. 
and unseen hands touching her when she's doing tours? No thanks. Mm-mm, that's a lot of hail to the no, y'all. You know, and I honestly can't see anyone wanting to experience that. Nope. You know, unless you're one of those people that pay for ghost tours, then I guess it's a good thing. But all that said, I bet y'all don't want to come face to face with the fearsome black specter with red eyes. And it feels like that entity could be the surgeon who is apparently responsible for all the suffering mm-hmm. there. Totally. Like he's doomed to wander the halls? That's even worse. Yeah. No, totally, man. And that could be the entity that's keeping all the hauntings going on in Yorktown, y'all. Because according to the lore, in many hauntings, there are multiple entities at any location. And some of them might be trying to leave, trying to follow the light, only to be blocked by a stronger, more malevolent entity or, you know, being. Dude, if that's true, let's be honest, that's super terrifying. Oh, yeah. What can be done? Some say cleansing the place spiritually or involving a spiritual medium to help them move along. Like that helps, but can solve it, Maxi. This is all just speculation here, baby. Anyway, you slice it. I don't see myself paying $500 for a sleepover with ghosts. <laughs> oh, hell no. That's not how we roll, everybody. If you're going to pay 500 bucks a night to hang with ghosts, head to the Driscoll in Austin. At least there you can have some amazing drinks and food. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Our listeners know we're cowards, right? Uh, yeah, we're like Scoob and Shag. I prefer the term selective courage, Maxie. <laughs> just, we're just practical. Mm-hmm. Potato, potato. Yeah. All right, y'all. So let's head back into Arizona for a fun-filled tale of terror, shall we? Let's do it. I'm Maricopa, and I've lived in this area all my life. I'm 58 years old. As a kid, I would see many things in my dreams, visions, and lots of strange things. I worked as a farm worker some years ago in the small town of Stanfield, just a few miles away. I remember the times when I was working some nights. Several fellow workers would talk amongst themselves about seeing what we called El Cocuy, or the boogeymen of the fields. The workers would speak out about seeing ghost lights and other strange things. There were nights when they would get so scared that they would leave work and go home but I wasn't scared, and everyone knew this. So my boss would send me to where the ghost was last seen to finish the job on the farm. I never actually saw El Cucuy, but I did hear it. Back in 1958, when a lot of us Indians were in the fields picking cotton, there were some guys who died out in the fields. They were young Indians who committed suicide. I never found out why. I guess they were depressed or something. Not long after their deaths, we would hear and experience very scary things. At the time, all the farm workers slept together in a common room. And at night, when the lights were turned off, strange noises would start up and our beds would start to shake. I remember even being touched all over my body while lying in bed. My face would be touched and invisible hands would hold my arms tightly. I knew this was caused by the deaths of the guys who died in the fields. It was their spirits. I also remember smelling a cologne or perfume in the room. There were also times when I would see figures of people walking down the road and I would hear people talking behind trees, even though I could see that there was no one behind the trees. I could hear their voices speaking to one another. And all of this never scared me. Recently in our kitchen, we have experienced strange things. In the evening, as soon as my wife and I go to bed, noises will start. We hear footsteps walking slowly in the living room and then in the kitchen. The ghosts will turn the water faucets on and off, and we can hear the salt shakers being moved on the table. It's a real loud noise that the ghost makes. 
These ghosts seem to always be around. I guess they want to do what they did while they were alive. But like I said, I'm not scared. That's told by Albert Joaquin Manuel Sr., member of the Akchin Indian community, from American Indian Ghost Stories by Antonio R. Garces. Well, that's at least one guy that's not afraid. <laughs> Unlike us. That guy was so unafraid, his boss would send him where the ghost sounds were coming from. Yeah, there's always that one guy making the rest of us look bad, trying mm-hmm. to be all brave and impress the boss. Hate that guy. Mm-hmm. I like how the legend they had was of El Kukui. Yeah. He was the boogeyman of the fields. Mm, yeah, straight out of the kid's bedroom into the fields. Nah, no thanks. If your boss was like, hey, go check out those crazy noises. I think it's El Kukui. What would you say? <laughs> you know what I'd say, Maxie. Two words. Hell, nah, or a different two words. You go. <laughs> Something like that. I quit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the third option. <laughs> yeah. It really is an intense couple of stories. Oh, man. He said he was held down on his bed by these supposed spirits of people that committed suicide. Dude. I mean, uh-uh. and he smelled cologne in the room. I would be so out of there. In all seriousness, like, what do you do in that situation, man? You need the money? I mean, that's a situation very much like living in a haunted house and not being able to afford to get out. Like, what do you do? Try to get some kind of spiritual protection at the very least. Burn some sweet grass, sage, (laughs) something like that. Something, man, anything. You're right on that. Any port in a storm, as we like to say. All right, Maxie, so before we get into a proper Texas tale, we have a quick one that Max found. The Amarillo Dog Man. Yeah. So, gang, the story is, and this was in the Amarillo paper as well, an upright dog-like creature was spotted just outside the Amarillo Zoo, and it was captured on security cameras. No animals were harmed in the zoo, in case anyone was worried. Nope. Google it, y'all. And I have to say, the top part looks quasi-sort of feasible, but the legs? I'm pretty sure those were jeans the dog man was wearing, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, man, no telltale backward bent legs, as many witnesses claim in sightings. And, th- you know, it's funny because the city of Amarillo is having fun with it. They're calling it a UAO, unidentified Amarillo object. That's awesome. And they're encouraging residents to, like, submit their guesses as to what this thing might be. Someone in a costume? 100%. <laughs> Dude, I would have to agree. But, you know, hey, truth is stranger than fiction. All right, Maxie, you got a story for us? You know I do, and this one's right in my wheelhouse. Oh man, what you got? In 2004, in Southeast Texas, my grown daughter and I were seated in the car in late summer. The heat was rather unbearable, so we were letting the car's AC cool the interior before we headed home from the market. Prior to this, neither of us believed in fairies or pixies. We read about such beings as folklore or mythical, but what was about to happen changed us forever. Here we were in the land of rattlesnakes and armadillos. We sat talking, my back was to the side window. My daughter suddenly went very still and said, Mom, look behind you. Very slowly I turned and saw nothing, but suddenly I saw it too. It flew right at our front windscreen. A human-looking creature, 
approximately five to six inches long. It had gossamer-like wings that span probably six to seven inches wide, and its wings beat quite rapidly like a hummingbird's. It was directly in front of my face. As I suddenly saw it, it poked its tiny face at me, craning toward the window. I was in absolute shock. Think of the last time you saw a fairy painting. You probably are remembering a creature that was wearing some sort of garment, revealing its rather lengthy legs, its bust or chest. Yup, Tinkerbell's dress, but hers was nicer. This little creature's clothing was an amber and wood-colored costume. And before you ask, neither of us was under the influence of alcohol or drugs. I'm saying this was a female creature due to her bust, and she was obviously very upset. Her tiny face was scrunched in a deep frown. And although we couldn't hear her in our closed-up car, she was very sincerely giving us a lecture. She was quite angry. After she did this for several seconds, she looked over at my daughter, shook her head, and turned and flew away. Mom, did you just see what I saw? My daughter asked. Yes, I did, was all I could say. When we came out of our shock, we talked about this little creature, and we still do 17 years later. Everyone we have mentioned this to thinks we lost our minds. And I might have thought it was some kind of heat-induced delirium, if not for the fact that my daughter saw it too. After this encounter, we have both been seriously watching for another event, or even someone else who might have seen them here in America. So far, no such luck. So I question, are there others in the US? I now live in West Virginia, and if they're native to this country, why doesn't anyone else here talk about them? And if they're not, where did they originate from? And how might they have ended up here? Submitted by TW from Lon Strickler's Phantoms and Monsters. And you were right. A fey encounter in Texas? That is your jam 100%. I love stories like that. Dude, I wonder what the fairy was so mad at. Well, whatever it was, it seems the mother and daughter suffered no ill effects. You know, like, the fairy didn't curse them or anything. Which is good. I mean, they still seem to be alive and well, right? Who knows? They could have had their car parked on some sacred fey spot. <laughs> yeah, they didn't, you know, say exactly where they were parked at, so possible. I mean, it's a theory, at least. There are countless stories in folklore of the fae being offended by trespassing mortals and doing them some sort of harm. Yep, true enough, man. Tons of stories, like from a farmer cutting down the wrong tree to roads being built over fae lands in Iceland. Yeah. When that sort of stuff happens, at least according to the lore, y'all, the fae are quick to respond and let us know that we misstepped. Totally. And as far as the fae in the previous story, maybe she was mm-hmm. just having a bad day. I mean, fairies have bad days too, I'm sure. Yeah, hey, it happens to the best of us, gang. All right, let's get into another story. And this one's from Arizona. I saw the Hoofman twice in my life. Both sightings were at nighttime. The first time I was six years old attending a family cookout, we began hearing hooves running around our house very fast. Everyone was outside enjoying themselves when suddenly 
All the adults began to quiet down. Everyone got quiet. All we could hear was hooves moving at a very fast, unnatural pace. My mom began rushing the kids inside when suddenly, all the electricity in the house shut off. As we were surrounded by the silence and darkness, we could hear the heavy breathing of a large animal. Suddenly, we heard a loud thump, as if something hit the ground really hard, and the sound was right in our front yard. We heard a rustling, then suddenly the lights and music came back on. My grandpa then shouted, he stole our meat. Everyone came to realize the raw meat that had just been put on the grill was gone. But then they noticed a single pair of hoof prints in front of the grill and some type of animal hair was left on the grill as well. Everyone rushed inside because they were obviously terrified. My uncles grabbed their guns and went looking for it but found nothing. Everyone knew who took the meat without having to say it. This was back in 1998 on Fort McDowell. The second time was the most frightening since we actually saw him up close. All I can say is what I saw that night is exactly what is usually described. A very large, at least eight foot tall, solid black entity with glowing red eyes. So, the Hoofman? Mm. That's pretty terrifying. Yeah, dude, what's really terrifying is that someone stole all the damn barbecue. Not cool. <laughs> yeah, not cool at all. And at least that's all he took. Yeah, true. The devil or the Hoofman or whatever. Mm -hmm. Gotta have some brisket, too. Hey, man. Brisket is universally loved if it's done well. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So what's the story with the Hoofman? I've actually never heard of him. So as far as a Hoofman, from what little I could uncover, it's a Yavapai Nations legend in Arizona. And he's this very large, very tall kind of chimera and just very dark, like red eyes, shadowy. Could be very akin to the Goat Man, according to some legends. So do people see him quite often? You know, Max, honestly, I'm not sure. I do know he is a big part of the folklore of that area and people like have heard him quite often. Heard him walking? Yeah, so just so, but you know, it's different than hearing like a cow or a horse or some other hooved animal walk because the sheer weight of the footsteps, you know, kind of like in the story, they heard this loud thump, like it's a substantial sound. And you can also tell that the sound is not coming from a four legged animal. It's like a, you know, a bipedal thing. Word. You know, but the other thing is this, you know, like this in the story again, they can hear the hoofman jump. It's like if it's near them, they hear these heavy footfalls or hooffalls, and then it's gone for a sec. And then they hear a land just like boom, like somewhere further away. Wow. And the sound when he lands is really loud and substantial, like it's heavy. Like witnesses can feel it. Dang. How big is this thing supposed to be? I mean, I guess eight feet, right? Yeah. Some witnesses claim at least over eight feet tall. Just this dark, shadowy thing, you know. And it's on the reservation? According to the lore, yeah. And I have a few Diné friends in AZ, is, it's a different thing, but they all agree, man. The res is a place where these sort of encounters can and often do happen, especially at night. Scary. All right, how about we get into another Texas tale? It's all you, baby. Let's do it. I'm from Laredo, Texas. I had a sighting that has remained fresh in my mind for more than 20 years. I was 17 years old and had just joined a band as a lead singer, rhythm guitarist, 
We were practicing outside one day when we all automatically stopped playing and gazed in disbelief as a creature floated or slowly glided about 20 feet from the ground and about 20 feet away from us. It can only be described as a baby with a small head and red eyes. He had no feathers, just skin under the wings. It turned and looked at us as it slowly glided by. Aside from me, there were three other witnesses, one of which passed away a few years later. I have looked everywhere for years trying to identify this flying baby, but have never heard or seen that anyone else has reported it. The closest I have found to the phenomenon is the Mothman. I think this creature was a young Mothman of sorts. At that time, there was a lot of attention being brought via a magazine of Batboy, but I never believed that magazine. Thinking about it now, maybe it was rooted on that thing we saw. Maybe you can help. Have you heard of anything similar? Thank you for your time. God bless. Submitted by RR. And one more for the road, gang. I want to talk about an experience I had when I was 17 or 18. I lived back home, which was at the border in deep South Texas, the border near Laredo. I was drinking with my friends one night. It was around 3 a.m. I wasn't at home and my bladder was full and I needed to take a leak. Behind the house were some palm trees and I was about to take a leak. I saw this white owl come across and land right in the palm tree above me. As I was taking a leak, I heard this voice say, Hey, Naha. That's the way I took it. It had a voice like an old lady, and I made eye contact with it. I got scared and went inside. I wasn't on drugs or anything. I was just drinking Budweiser. Ever since then, it has stayed with me. Hey, Naha. Submitted by Juan. Love it, man. Two flying cryptids from the Lone Star State. Along the border, no less. And for real, man. So what are your thoughts on those stories? Both are pretty trippy, honestly. The kid playing the guitar and yeah. seeing a flying red-eyed baby. Whew. Uh-uh. Baby Mothman. I don't know, man. Still, I wish the description was a bit more detailed. He really focused on the small baby head and red eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I guess... Rather, obviously, the fact that it was flying. I know, man. They just should have kept jamming to see if that flying devil baby would have stayed and listened. You know, like, were they playing some Slayer? I mean, they just might have summoned it, Maxie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who knows, Rock? It could have been their mascot, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think we both think the second story was of a young drunk dude being set straight by a Lechuza. Am I right? Right you are. We all know, at least according to the lore gang, that Lechuzas are not fans of drunk men in the wee hours of the morning. I blame this one on Budweiser. Dude, agreed. Hey, drink a good beer, my friend, okay? (laughs) (laughs) That's what the Lechuza was really scolding him for. She's like, drinking is one thing, but come on, son. And he was like, why are you drinking Bud, (laughs) Bud Light? There's a choice now, man. (laughs) Okay, gang, thanks for sticking around with your boys for another really fun season. Oh, yeah. As we said earlier, we're going to be going on our usual midsummer break and be back and ready for action at the end of August. Wish rock luck in Northern Arizona, gang. 
I'll miss you guys in Austin, but it's just a short plane ride away. A couple hours or a very short 17-hour car ride. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's too long for me to drive. Yep. Gang, please keep sending us your personal tales of terror. We're hoarding them like Max hoards marathon medals. We always need more. Mm -hmm. It's also how Rock hoards Hellboy comic books. (laughs) It's how I hoard Hellboy or Witcher comics. Guilty. Love me some Hellboy and the Witcher. The part of our show is the great and powerful Teresa Joy, as you know. So great, so powerful. Find our bard at her own website, TeresaJoyMusic.com, and follow her at Viobrite, that's at V-I-O-B-R-I-T-E, on all the social media. Speaking of the socials, follow your boys on all of them. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the works. You know, we'd love to hear from you. Head on over to our own website at NightmaresPodcast.net to send us your stories mm-hmm. or just email us at nightmarespod at gmail.com and head on over to Patreon for more Nightmares and Daydreams action. Tears start at a buck a month and you can cancel anytime you want. Yep. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will see y'all next season. And as always, be good to each other and sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams.